Are you ready to be persecuted for the sake of righteousness? That is a topic we'll discuss today right here on the Christian Worldview radio program, where the mission is to sharpen the biblical worldview of Christians and to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. I'm David Wheaton, the host. The Christian Worldview is a nonprofit, listener-supported radio ministry. We are able to broadcast on the radio station, website, or app on which you are listening today because of the support of listeners like you. Thank you for your prayer, encouragement, and support. You can connect with us by visiting our website, thechristianworldview.org, calling our toll-free number, one 646 2233 or by writing to Box 401, Excelsior, Minnesota, 55331. This past week, the U.S. Senate passed a bill with every Democrat and 12 Republicans voting in favor that is deceptively called, quote, the Respect for Marriage Act. In fact, the bill, now sure to be passed by the Democrat-majority U.S. House before the Republican majority kicks in next year, and then signed by Democrat President Joe Biden, will overturn the Defense of Marriage Act, or DOMA, and codify homosexual so-called marriage into federal law. But aren't homosexuals already able to, quote, marry one another? Well, yes, but this bill would federalize homosexual so-called marriage so states could not establish a contrary law, and this will also be a bulwark against the Supreme Court's 2015 Obergefell decision should it be overturned. That case banned any state from denying homosexual so-called marriages. But even more sinister is the authority the bill offers to prosecute those individuals and organizations like Christian schools who hold to the biblical one-man, one-woman definition of marriage, the actual definition of marriage. This sets the stage for far more persecution of truth-tellers than ever before. Now, it may not seem related, but the end goal of the United Nations COP27 climate change conference that just concluded in Egypt is the same, to control and command people into compliance to a new world order of God-rejecting values. During that conference, an interfaith delegation held an event at Mount Sinai, that's where Moses received the Ten Commandments, called, quote, Returning to Sinai, a prophetic call for climate justice and ceremony of repentance, where they laid out and then smashed their own ten climate commandments. Jesus said in his Sermon on the Mount, Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. That's from Matthew chapter 5. The whole point of these events we're going to discuss today is to promote evil and punish those who stand for God's word. And unless or until the Supreme Court intervenes and finds this law unconstitutional as violating our First Amendment, freedom of speech, and freedom of religion, it will likely be open season on Christians who stand for biblical truth. Joining us now is Cal Beisner. He's the president of the Cornwall Alliance for the Stewardship of Creation. He's going to help us understand these issues and how they will impact you and me. Cal, thank you for coming on the program today. 
American Family News wrote recently, Democrat-led legislation that would repeal the Defense of Marriage Act has crossed a major Senate hurdle, putting Congress on track to ensure that same-sex so-called marriages are enshrined in federal law. In a 62-37 to vote, with 12 Republicans voting with all the Democrats to move forward on this legislation, meaning a final vote could come as soon as this week or later this month. It's going to go over to the House. Senate Democrats are quickly moving to pass the bill while the party still controls the House. The article says Republicans are on the verge of winning the House, or actually they have won the House now, but they would be unlikely to take up the issue next year, and they're going to try to vote on it quickly. Here are the Senate Republicans who voted for this. Roy Blunt, these are U.S. Senators from Missouri, Richard Burr from North Carolina, Shelley Moore, Capito from West Virginia, Susan Collins from Maine, Joni Ernst from Iowa, Cynthia Loomis from Wyoming, Lisa Murkowski from Alaska, as did Dan Sullivan from Alaska, Rob Portman from Ohio, Mitt Romney from Utah, Tom Tillis, North Carolina, and Todd Young in Indiana. Tony Perkins, a family research council, said, remember those names. They've sold out people of faith in this country. Just a couple more paragraphs from another column from American Family News by Suzanne Bowdy. She said, like free speech, conscience rights, tax-exempt statuses, religious freedom, and every other fundamental value on the chopping block with this particular bill, The second Joe Biden's pen hits the paper to sign this bill, which is H.R. 8404 into law, natural marriage is considered a bigoted view, like discrimination, in fact, she says. Some legal experts, including Family Research Council Mary Beth Waddell, believe the text actually makes a correlation between natural marriage and racism. By the way, in this bill, it's not only about so-called same-sex or homosexuals marrying each other, it's about interracial marriage. You know, as if people are out to get people who do that today. Here's what the bill says. The attorney general may bring a civil action in the appropriate U.S. district court against any person who violates subsection A for declaratory and injunctive relief. In other words, what's that mean? If you hold the belief that marriage is the union of a man and a woman, the mainstream view for all of history, by the way, and stand in the way of the left's redefinition in any way, the full weight of the Justice Department will be brought to bear. And if that weren't enough, a private right of action, meaning everyday citizens can sue based on some perceived violation of their rights, is encouraged for anyone, quote, harmed by your biblical beliefs. Now, before I ask you the question, Cal, I just want to refresh our memories about what our President Joe Biden said years ago about the Defense of Marriage Act. We are desperately concerned about the circumstance relating to uh, avian flu. We don't have enough vaccines. We don't have enough police officers. And we're going to debate the next three weeks, I'm told, gay marriage, a flag amendment, and only knows what else. I can't believe the American people can't see through this. We already have a law. The Defense of Marriage Act, where we've all voted, not where I voted and others said, look, marriage is between a man and a woman, and states must respect that. Nobody's violated that law. There's been no challenge to that law. Why do we need a constitutional amendment? Marriage is between a man and a woman. What's the game going on here? Cal, talk about this deceptively named Respect for Marriage Act. 
It is a respect for perversion act. And what it does is it demands that all of us must speak, must live as if we think that the physical union of two men or two women is marriage and is just as much marriage as is the physical union of a man and a woman. That, of course, turns the vast majority of human history on its head. It rejects not just biblical and specifically Christian thought on marriage, but the thought on marriage of the overwhelming majority of humanity for all of human history in every different civilization. This is extremely revolutionary. And uh, what's demanded is not a respect for marriage, since after all, the union of two people of the same sex is not, according to the Bible and according to the whole of human civilization, marriage. It is demanding respect for perversion. And I'll be happy to say that perfectly bluntly. Yeah, this is a very, very dangerous thing. And it will put many Christians in a situation where we face the same question that Peter posed to the Sanhedrin in Acts 5.29, whether it is right to obey men rather than God, you be the judge, but we must say that we must obey God rather than men. Amen. We have to take very seriously Rod Dreher's fundamental message in his wonderful book, Live Not by Lies, Manual for Christian Dissidents, that we simply are not going to adopt this language. We should never, ever, ever in any Christian publication have been willing to use the phrase same-sex marriage. We should always have said something like same-sex so-called marriage. But he who defines terms, he who determines the vocabulary that's going to be predominant in society has a huge advantage in moral, cultural issues like this. And just as we should never have allowed homosexuality to become described as gay, because gay meant happy, and all the data tell us that, in fact, homosexuals have always been less happy than heterosexuals. We shouldn't have allowed the stealing of that term. Neither should we have allowed the stealing of the term justice for the forced redistribution of wealth from those to whom it belongs to those to whom it does not belong. Neither should we have allowed in any way the theft of the term marriage to apply it to marriage between people of the same sex. So we're going to see Christian organizations like adoption agencies and child care agencies and schools coming under serious attack if, as one prays that they will, they refuse to abide by this law and pray to God that this will result in suits that work their way to the Supreme Court and that they will be determined there in accord with the First Amendment. I think, frankly, that this law, if it does pass the House and then has President Biden's signature, I think it will be clearly unconstitutional. The question is whether we will still have a court by the time this gets to it that is committed to original intent constitutional interpretation. 
Thanks for framing that for us, because I think you're right. This is going to be a case before the Supreme Court, and Lord willing, there'll be enough clear-thinking people on the Supreme Court that see how much of a violation of our First Amendment rights of speech and, and religion this really is. And it is that. Now, so many people are saying the opposite. This is not going to violate your freedom of religion. Come on. And this doesn't affect your marriage, so why do you care so much about this? And the church has its own moral problems. People are getting divorced and remarried when they shouldn't. They're living together before marriage, and Christian men and women are involved in pornography. You see all these responses all the time. So I want to ask you that question, but just let me frame the question a little more. Going on with this article from American Family News, while some Republicans are assisting all of the landmines for religious freedom have been diffused. In other words, there was an alternate made to this bill, and now religious freedom is going to be okay. That lie, this person writes, is about to explode in believers' faces. The latest draft of the bill, quote, protects religious educational institutions but only in the context of solemnizing or celebrating marriage. Exactly. The language is so narrow that the only expression of natural marriage allowed on campus, let's say, would be an actual wedding ceremony. Otherwise, paint a bullseye on every Orthodox Bible-believing school. So I'll read a portion of the bill here. Consistent with the First Amendment to the Constitution, this is what they tried to write in there to placate people who were worried about infringement on the freedom of religion. Nonprofit religious organizations, including churches, mosques, synagogues, temples, non-denominational ministries, and nonprofit entities whose principal purpose is the study, practice, or advancement of religion— And any employee of such organization shall not be required to provide services, accommodations, advantages, facilities, goods, or privileges, and here's the phrase, for the solemnization or celebration of a marriage. Any refusal under this subsection to provide such services shall not create any civil claim or cause of action. Now, the writer says this, that sounds great until those eight little words for the solemnization or celebration of a marriage, unquote. Reveal this little fig leaf for the sham it is. What this phrase means is that outside of an actual wedding ceremony, the freedom of every American will be cut off at its knees, including Bible-believing adoption agencies, women's shelters, ministries, religious Christian schools, and charities. It's merely a pastor's protection act, the Family Research Council Senior Director of Governmental Affairs said. Okay, so I know that was a lot of lead up to the question, but talk about how this particular bill push back or or give the response to those who say, well, this doesn't affect your marriage, so why do you care? This isn't going to hurt your religious liberty. And by the way, the church has its own moral problems. Why are you so focused on homosexuals? First, I'd say my old friend Kana Gonzalez there, the uh, FRC Senior Director of Government Affairs, was absolutely right in saying that this is merely a pastor's protection act because basically it's only pastors among religious people who solemnize merit, who uh, perform weddings for people. And what this says is you can't be prosecuted under this act for refusing to perform a wedding ceremony for a same-sex couple. But the problem, of course, is that what this does mean is that it actually only protects pastors in terms of that. 
Suppose the pastor from his pulpit preaches from the scriptures about the meaning of real marriage and insists that it is between a man and a woman and that the union of a man and a man or a woman and a woman is not marriage. Now, that's not the solemnizing of uh, marriage. It's not a wedding ceremony. And that pastor now can be accused of violating this act. Suppose that you have an adoption agency that is Christian and committed to the normativity of heterosexual marriage and therefore refuses to consider same-sex couples to adopt children that this agency is helping to find adoptive families. Well, that agency is going to come under attack by this bill. It's really extraordinary. It is as obvious a violation of the First Amendment in terms of religious freedom and the prohibition of religious establishment and freedom of speech as I can imagine anything has ever come down in American law. Now, people are trying to make excuses. Well, after all, you have sin in the church just as we have this outside the church, so who are you to speak? Well, the church calls it sin. And so in order for this this argument to function, these folks have to agree that same-sex unions are sin. They don't want to do that. What they want is not just for us to confess that, yeah, we fail, and hey, I fail every day. There isn't a day that goes by when I don't commit sins. I mean, the first and most important one is, I don't think I have ever for one second fulfilled the first and greatest commandment, which is to love the Lord my God with all my heart, all my soul, all my mind, all my strength, or frankly, to love my neighbor as myself. Have I ever loved my neighbor as I love myself completely? No distinction? I don't think so. So I'm happy, (laughs) sad, but happy to admit I'm a sinner. But I call sin, sin. This isn't requiring that we acknowledge that we're sinners. This is requiring that we say that same-sex union that homosexual activity is not sin. That means we have to contradict the word of God. That is violation of the very first commandment. You shall have no other gods before me. So these sorts of arguments, they're sleight of hand, and no Christian should be swayed by them in any way. Yes, you're exactly right. And the the idea that this doesn't affect your marriage, so why do you care? Yeah, you're right. It's not going to affect my marriage. But it affects everything else. It affects well, it my freedom of speech. Well, it actually might affect my marriage because if I speak out firmly against right. there you go. Yes. unions, uh, I can be uh, prosecuted under this, and that prosecution may lead eventually to my jailing, and uh, that can have a serious effect on people's marriages. Good clarification. It affects everything, how my children are educated and what we can say and what we can't say. So it does affect our marriage and affects our lives. It affects our country. And above all, it harms people's standing with God. And Christians should be very concerned about that, that our fellow man is approving of things that God finds offensive. God declares to be offensive. Cal Beisner with us today here on the Christian Worldview radio program. He is the president of the Cornwall Alliance for the Stewardship of Creation. This is a fantastic organization. We highly 
encourage you to subscribe to their newsletter. You can go to CornwallAlliance.org, their direct website, or come to our website, TheChristianWorldview.org. We have a link at our website in today's preview directly over to their website. They have excellent resources as well. All right, we'll take a short break for some ministry announcements. Would you like to support our mission to sharpen the biblical worldview of Christians and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ? Call us toll-free, 1-888-646-2233. Visit thechristianworldview.org or write to Box 401, Excelsior, Minnesota, 55331. To become a Christian Worldview partner or make a donation of any amount. I'm David Wheaton, and you are listening to the Christian Worldview Radio Program. It's that time of year for our fall clearance sale, where you will receive deep discounts, some more than 50% off, on dozens of resources in the Christian Worldview store. There are all kinds of books and DVDs for adults and children, Bibles, gospel tracts, even scripture verse greeting cards. Every item in our store has been carefully selected to be compatible with the mission of the Christian worldview, to sharpen the biblical worldview of Christians, and to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. The fall clearance sale ends November 30th, so this is a great time to select resources for you and your family, your church or small group, and for Christmas gifts. Go to thechristianworldview.org and click on Fall Clearance Sale. Or call us toll-free, 1-888-646-2233 for recommendations and order by phone. Again, that's 1-888-646-2233 or thechristianworldview.org. The momentum from the world is like a tsunami that's flooding our entire country. And the only way to change it is for people to be born again, is for there to be a great awakening in our country again, and for people to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And that will never happen until there is first conviction of sin, righteousness, and judgment. For people to repent and to turn from their sins and to turn to God and embrace His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. That was Dr. Stephen Lawson. His book, New Life in Christ, What Really Happens When You're Born Again and Why It Matters, is available for a donation of any amount to The Christian Worldview. Regular retail is $16.99. Go to thechristianworldview.org or call 1-888-646-2233 or write to Box 401, Excelsior, Minnesota, 55331. Welcome back to The Christian Worldview. I'm David Wheaton. Be sure to visit our website, thechristianworldview.org, where you can subscribe to our free weekly email and annual print letter, order resources for adults and children, and support the ministry. Cal Beisner joins us today in the program. He's the president of the Cornwall Alliance for the Stewardship of Creation. Cal, we've talked about the deceptively named Respect for Marriage Act. Let's get to the topic for which we asked you on the program today, which is climate change, which is a primary focus of the Cornwall Alliance for the Stewardship of Creation. You know all about this conference that's just taking place. It's called the COP27, and COP stands for Conference of the Parties to the United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change. So this is a UN global conference, COP27. Last year was COP26. It builds on the outcomes of the last one, COP26, to deliver action on an array of issues critical to tackling the climate emergency. 
from urgently reducing greenhouse gas emissions, except for those who are flying over in private jets to the conference, building (laughs) resilience and adapting to the inevitable impacts of climate change, to delivering on the commitments to finance climate action in developing countries, facing a growing energy crisis, record greenhouse gas concentrations, and increasing extreme weather events. COP27 seeks renewed solidarity between countries to deliver on the landmark Paris Agreement for people and the planet. That was from their website, by the way. Now, I went through their website. It's just overwhelming. This is an enormous movement, this UN climate change movement, global. It is so comprehensive that it would be hard to communicate just how many tentacles this thing has all over the world. I mean, it's beyond a movement. This is a a mass movement of the entire world with the biggest leaders, biggest corporations, everything. It would be really hard to overstate how enormous this movement is. So for people listening today, explain what COP27 is about and why Christians should be paying attention to this. Well, let's start just with the enormous reach complexity of this that you've already referred to. Many, many times I have pointed out to people that the word environment comes from a French word meaning to turn around or surroundings. And much as I've tried, I can't figure anything that isn't part of my surroundings from the hair on the back of my head to Alpha Centauri. And so environmentalism really (laughs) translates to everythingism. We have another word in the English language that puts the same idea across, and that is totalitarianism. Environmentalism is inherently totalitarian, and that is exactly what we're seeing in how the UN Framework Convention on Climate Change Treaty has become the platform for insisting on controlling every aspect of people's lives. And, you know, when I say that, people think, well, now, wait a minute, how, how do you think it's every aspect? Well, think for a moment. Think back to your middle school science. When you learned the definition of energy, energy is the capacity to do work. And work is the moving of something to somewhere. It's the changing of things, right? Now, That means that energy goes into everything that we do, whether we're twiddling our thumbs or building a bridge or sending a rocket to the moon or driving a car down the road. Energy goes into everything that we do. Climate change, which, by the way, is a weasel term that actually substitutes for the far more controversial notion of catastrophically dangerous overwhelmingly human-induced global warming, okay? When you survey scientists about whether they think that human activity has contributed to global warming over the last hundred years, pretty much everybody will say yes, including me, by the way. Uh, But when you say, is this catastrophically dangerous? Is it overwhelmingly produced by human activity? And do we need to spend trillions of dollars completely revamping the entire global energy infrastructure in an effort to mitigate this, to curb it, when what we know is that if we do that, we're going to make 
Well, for instance, if we were to implement all the commitments made in the Paris Agreement, we would only reduce global average temperature at the end of this century by about 17 hundredths of one degree Celsius or 0.3 degree Fahrenheit. Uh, but it would cost us 70 to $140 trillion. When we put it that way, suddenly that big consensus disappears. But here's my point. The notion of this catastrophically dangerous, overwhelmingly human-induced climate change that requires a complete restructuring of all society, that notion is the outworking of the totalitarian, the everythingist thinking of environmentalism. And it's very dangerous, very dangerous, because it will affect every aspect of our lives. Just as one very, very practical example of that effect, Europe and the United Kingdom, for the last 15 years or so, have eagerly pursued the rapid replacement of fossil fuel energy with wind and solar. They've already seen as a result of that, serious increases in energy prices in those countries that resulted in people not being able to afford to heat their homes sufficiently in winter so that excess premature winter deaths rose by thousands and thousands of people every year compared with prior years at lower energy prices. Now, that was with increases in energy prices of 8, 10, 12% per year during the period from about 2007 to 2015. Now what we're seeing in the current energy crisis is energy costs increasing in Europe and Great Britain, doubling, tripling, going up four, five, six times. Businesses are going to be destroyed and many, many people will not be able to heat their homes adequately when outside temperatures drop way below zero, and we're going to see many thousands, I expect scores of thousands of excess premature deaths just in Great Britain alone because of this. But what is COP27 really all about? It's all about what's called reparations. That's the big demand uh, at this point. That is, developing countries want developed countries to pay them about a trillion dollars a year overall to help them to adapt to and recover from various severe weather events that supposedly are brought upon them by human-induced climate change. Now, the fact is that while computer climate models, carefully adjusted, carefully designed for this end, indicate that you're going to have more frequent and intense extreme weather events with a warmer world. While the computer climate models say that, actual hard data say the opposite. Hard data say that there's been no increase in the frequency or intensity of any extreme weather events during the period of so-called current human-induced global warming. And in fact, for a number of them, the trend is instead downward. Uh, but the developing countries which ironically enough includes China, which is much wealthier than most developing countries, mm. want the developed countries to pay them a trillion dollars a year because after all, the developed countries have caused all of this climate change by using all that fossil fuel to grow out of poverty. Now, you need to you know, make up to us because of this. 
Well, the fact is instead that the developing countries themselves need to use the fossil fuels to grow out of poverty and the developed countries need to stop pushing policies uh, that prevent them from doing so. China and India have no intention of reducing their use, for example, of coal. Instead, they're multiplying that use hugely. So this is the big debate that's going to be going on there. I actually expect that when the whole thing is finished, the end of this week, supposedly, or it often runs over, I actually expect that they're not going to have much in the way of any kind of binding agreement on anybody. There's too much division. There is, but they are going forward with this movement, regardless of whether they come to agreement here. It is so overwhelming, and as you mentioned, it's all a ruse to get to global authority over the way you live. As you rightly mentioned, energy is the basis for everything, (laughs) to do anything, how you live, whatever. And uh, they're all about this is one of the, the greatest vehicles for global control ever devised by the wicked mind of man, Cal Beisner, with us today here on The Christian Realview. I want to ask one more question about this, because there's a strong religious element to this, not only in just the main conference aspect, because this is, I think you would say, the environmentalism for these people is the religion. You can explain that in a second here. But there was actually a religious event held. I don't think it was officially sanctioned by the conference itself, but it took place— I'm going to read a, a short paragraph here from the New American, Alex Newman, who's been a former guest in the program. I believe he was over there for this conference, actually. Uh, he writes, The bizarre ceremonies organized by the Interfaith Center for Sustainable Development were originally scheduled to take place at Mount Sinai on Egypt's Sinai Peninsula. Now, you remember what took place at Mount Sinai? Not probably this Mount Sinai. It was the one in Saudi Arabia nearby, but that's where... God gave Moses the Ten Commandments. Okay, so they're going to hold a ceremony there. So while some of the religious antics took place on the Sinai Peninsula, there was something that took place there, a smaller-than-anticipated ceremony. Many of the festivities were held in London and Jerusalem after security concerns reportedly led Egyptian authorities to withhold permission for the original plan. So they didn't even go to Saudi Arabia to hold the Mount Sinai there to hold these religious ceremonies about climate repentance and the, the new Ten Commandments for climate change. They actually didn't even, weren't able to hold as much of a ceremony in the Egyptian Mount Sinai or Peninsula because of security issues. But anyway, that being said, the new Ten Commandments, here's what they are. Not the Ten Commandments you read in Exodus chapter 20 in the Bible, the real Ten right. Commandments. But these are the Ten Commandments. We're listed as, number one, we are stewards of this world. Number two, creation manifests divinity. Number three, everything in life is interconnected. Number four is do no harm. Number five is look after tomorrow. Number six is rise above ego for our world. Number seven is change our inner climate. Number eight is repent and return. Number nine is every action matters And number 10 is use mind, open heart. Use mind, open heart. (laughs) Now, they actually changed it from being the new Ten Commandments because there was some pushback. They're calling it the Ten Principles, I believe. Or Ten Repentance. Yes, exactly. The Ten Principles. One more paragraph here. The new moral commands delivered by the Enviro religious leaders come as the UN argues publicly that a new system of ethics— and morality 
are needed to replace the old systems that supposedly put humanity in this alleged crisis. In other words, they're saying that the Ten Commandments that come from the Old Testament, they put us into this mess. Those kind of commandments put us into this. We need new commandments. And a uploading, as one person said, a new moral code that can be uploaded. I won't read the rest of it, but you get the sense of what's going on here. So environmentalism as a religion. Cal, you've worked in this field for decades. Just talk about your experience with environmentalism as a religion. Let me first just say these so-called 10 commands or principles, this is a case of the mouse that didn't even squeak. I mean, these things are so vague, so shallow, that frankly, there's no way to draw from them any specific action. Frankly, any passionate activist of the climate alarmist perspective could embrace these, but so could any passionate activist of the climate realist or climate skeptic perspective because they're so completely vague and equivocal. I was really shocked. They weren't making these principles or these commandments public in advance. And so I've been waiting for weeks to see what they actually would be. And I was so so underwhelmed. It was really quite amazing. What really concerns me is not that list of principles, you know, a bunch of pablum. What really concerns me is the syncretism, the apostasy, the paganization involved in this interfaith effort. Cal is going to talk about that syncretism and apostasy that's part of this environmental movement right after this short break for some ministry announcements. I'm David Wheaton, and you are listening to the Christian Worldview radio program. We will be grateful for your help as we strive to impact listeners with the biblical worldview and the gospel. You can do so by becoming a Christian Worldview partner or making a donation of any amount. Call toll-free 1-888-646-2233, visit thechristianworldview.org, or write to Box 401, Excelsior, Minnesota, 55331. It's that time of year for our fall clearance sale, where you will receive deep discounts, some more than 50% off, on dozens of resources in the Christian Worldview store. There are all kinds of books and DVDs for adults and children, Bibles, gospel tracts, even scripture verse greeting cards. Every item in our store has been carefully selected to be compatible with the mission of the Christian worldview, to sharpen the biblical worldview of Christians, and to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. The fall clearance sale ends November 30th, so this is a great time to select resources for you and your family, your church or small group, and for Christmas gifts. Go to thechristianworldview.org and click on Fall Clearance Sale. Or call us toll-free 1-888-646-2233 for recommendations and order by phone. Again, that's 1-888-646-2233 or thechristianworldview.org. For a limited time, we are offering My Boy Ben for a donation of any amount to The Christian Worldview. The book is the true story of a yellow lab that I had back when I was competing on the professional tennis tour. It's about relationships with Ben, my parents, with the childhood friend I would eventually marry, but ultimately with God, who causes all things, even the hard things, to work together for good. 
You can order a signed and personalized copy for yourself or for your friend who enjoys a good story, loves dogs, sports, or the outdoors, and most of all, needs to hear about God's grace and the gospel. My Boy Ben is owned by The Christian Realview. It's 264 pages, hardcover, and retails for $24.95. To order, go to thechristianrealview.org or call one 646 or write to Box 401, Excelsior, Minnesota, 55331. Thanks for joining us today on The Christian Realview. I'm David Wheaton, the host. Just a reminder that today's program and past programs are archived at our website, thechristianrealview.org. Transcripts and short takes are also available. Cal Beisner is our guest today in the program. He's the president of the Cornwall Alliance for the Stewardship of Creation. So, Cal, what concerns you most about this religious environmental event as part of the Climate Change Conference? What really concerns me is the syncretism, the apostasy, the paganization involved in this interfaith effort. Here you had six different organizations that made up the Sinai Climate Partnership, the Interfaith Center for Sustainable Development, the Elijah Interfaith Institute, the Peace Department, (laughs) what that means, (laughs) the United Nations Faith for Earth Initiative, the Gigawatt Global, a multinational energy company, by the way, specializing in solar energy, and Adam Tevat Vedan, which is an Israeli environmental advocacy group. Now, you had in the uh, ceremony on the Sinai Peninsula, you had about 50 representatives of various different Christian denominations and of conservative, Orthodox, and Reformed Judaism, of Islam, of Hinduism, of Buddhism, of various other religions, all gathering together and doing this as a religious act that involved worshiping whatever they thought of as God. Now, let's just be real clear here. The God of the Bible, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, creator of heaven and earth, is not Allah. The God of the Bible is not any of the gods of Hinduism. The God of the Bible is not even the non-Trinitarian, almost deistic God of modern Judaism. The God of the Bible is the one true God, And those who gather together with others and think that they are somehow or other worshiping the same God together, when one affirms and the other denies the Trinity, are deluded. And that gathering together in worship is itself a violation of the first commandment. Again, I I mentioned it earlier, you shall have no other gods before me. This is idolatry a violation of the second commandment. And when Christians speak of God in context where they're equating God with the gods of Islam or Judaism or or Hinduism or anything else like that, they're violating the third commandment, not to take the name of the Lord God in vain. This is just horrendous stuff. But I I actually, I did a podcast about this. The Cornwall Alliance has a podcast called Created Terrain. I did a podcast about this Sinai Climate Partnership 
and uh, the religious ritual that went on there under the so-called Holy Land Declaration on Climate Change. I did a podcast on this, and people can hear that if they just use their podcast apps to find Created to Rain, done by the Cornwall Alliance for the Stewardship of Creation. There's a lot more detail in this that we probably don't have time for in today's program. But I would mention one other thing, and that is that a main planner, mover, funder of this whole thing was a solar energy entrepreneur, Yosef Abramovitz, a reform Jew, in an act designed to recall Moses' smashing of the stone tablets bearing the Ten Commandments when he descended from Mount Sinai to discover the Israelites worshiping the golden calf, Abramovitz, who's the president of Gigawatt Global, which was one of the sponsoring organizations of this whole thing, after reading the Ten Principles for Climate Repentance, smashed two tablets on the ground. And then he said, we look down to Sharm el-Sheikh, which is the seaside resort where COP27 is happening, and we're not satisfied. And uh, that was with reference to the climate summit that uh, is, is finishing this week. Now, did Abramovitz, a Jewish man, recognize the irony in his action? Moses smashed the stone tablets in anger at the Israelites' apostasy from the faith of Yahweh, their God, who had delivered them from slavery in Egypt. Their worshiping of that idol, David, was syncretistic. It was trying to weave together the religion of Yahweh and the polytheistic religion of Egypt. But the Sinai Climate Partnership is nothing if it's not a syncretistic wedding of modern Judaism with other religions. Hmm. <laughs> you know, ClimateRepentance.com, which is a website created to promote the event, lists participants who are Jewish, Roman Catholic, Eastern Orthodox, Anglican, mainline Protestant, Mormon, Muslim, Buddhist, Hindu, and lots of others. And frankly, David, as a Christian, I'm just appalled that anybody who could claim to be a Christian would be involved in the Sinai Climate Partnership. And it isn't that Christians can't cooperate with non-Christians in various endeavors. The problem is when they do it as an expression of their religious convictions, mm -hmm. knowing that the representatives of other religions are doing the same. Syncretism trivializes religious doctrine, and it violates that first commandment, you shall have no other gods before me. Yeah. By the way, one other episode that led up to this thing, uh, pushed in part by the same people, was the pageant at the opening of the Commonwealth Games in Birmingham, England, back in August. The, the Commonwealth Games are athletic event with the 72 different uh, British Commonwealth countries involved. At that opening, there was a pageant, the climax of which featured a roughly 100-foot-tall mechanical bull with glowing red eyes being brought out into the middle of the arena, and then hundreds of actors in the pageant bowing down in worship to hmm. this bull. And that was a part of the lead-up to this. And not only that, but then right after that, you had the new King Charles whose titles include Defensor Fidei, Defender of the Faith, 
and Supreme Governor of the Church of England, welcoming everybody there for wow. this pageant and for the Commonwealth Games. Uh, what we're seeing, David, all over the place is supposed Christians just simply abandoning faithfulness to Christ. And we have to stand and say, not for me. I will go with Christ to the cross. I will go with Christ to the grave. That is so well said, Cal. I'm so thankful that you brought some of these things out. You know, it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, very clearly, it says, do not be bound together with unbelievers. And that's what these religious people are. They are non-believers in the God of the Bible. They're religious, but they're religiously unregenerate. And don't be bound with them. What partnership have righteousness and lawlessness? What fellowship has light with darkness? What harmony has Christ with Belial? What has a believer in common with an unbeliever? Or what agreement has the temple of God with idols? And then it goes on. It's a powerful passage there. So, Cal, we appreciate your bringing biblical clarity to this issue and this conference and environmentalism, this movement as a whole, the religious aspect of it. We're thankful for all you're doing at Cornwall Alliance for the Stewardship of Creation. We highly encourage our listeners to go to your website, cornwallalliance.org, to get informed about what you all do. Subscribe to your free newsletter. Get your podcast. Subscribe to that, Created to Reign. And uh, thank you for coming on the Christian Worldview Radio program today. All of God's best and grace to you. Thank you, David. So just to conclude today, what do upending God's moral order, redefining marriage and morality, and what do godless environmentalism have in common? Well, they're just different tools to consolidate government control toward global governance. Just as the way the Bible says things will end up. They'll persecute you if you voice anything against their immoral order, and they'll restrict the way you live and move and drive, all in the name of saving the planet. They are intent on building their global babble in opposition to God, where Antichrist can command and control all humanity to worship him. Speaking to his disciples, Jesus said in John 16, These things I have spoken to you so that you may be kept from stumbling, They will make you outcasts from the synagogue. But an hour is coming for everyone who kills you to think he is offering service to God. These things they will do because they have not known the Father or me. And that is the case for those pushing this immoral order in this hysterical climate change movement. So what do we do? Let's listen to what the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 1. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance. But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior, because it is written, You shall be holy, for I am holy. To be holy is... You must be in a right relationship with the God who created you to know, obey, worship, and glorify him. But we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, the Bible says, and the wages of that sin is death, eternal separation from God in hell. Our good deeds cannot atone for our sin against God. That's the bad news. But here's the good news. The wages of sin is death, 
but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. God demonstrated his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So if you never have done this, you must obey Christ's command to repent and believe in the gospel. Believe in who Jesus Christ is, the perfect and sinless Son of God, and what he did for you. He died in your place to pay the penalty you deserve to pay for your sin on the cross, satisfying God's wrath and justice over your sin so that you could be forgiven and made right with God. Find out more how you can become a born-again Christian by going to our website, thechristianworldview.org, and clicking on the page, What Must I Do to Be Saved? Thank you for joining us today on The Christian Worldview. In just a moment, there will be all kinds of information on this nonprofit radio ministry. Let's be encouraged. We live in a very challenging world, but Jesus Christ and His Word are the same yesterday and today and forever. Until next time, think biblically, live accordingly, and stand firm. The mission of the Christian Worldview is to sharpen the biblical worldview of Christians and to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. We hope today's broadcast encouraged you toward that end. To hear a replay of today's program, order a transcript, or find out what must I do to be saved, go to thechristianworldview.org or call toll-free 1-888-646-2233. The Christian Worldview is a listener-supported nonprofit radio ministry furnished by the Overcomer Foundation. To make a donation, become a Christian Worldview partner, order resources, subscribe to our free newsletter, or contact us, visit thechristianworldview.org, call 1-888-646-2233, or write to Box 401, Excelsior, Minnesota, 55331. That's Box 401, Excelsior, Minnesota, 55331. Thanks for listening to The Christian Worldview.